BYU Sports Nation, back to work your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play from the comforts of our home once again, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Tuesday, May 19th. Wherever and however you're connected, welcome once again. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who wears many hats in life, Jerem Jordan. Listen, we've never both worn a hat on the show. We've talked about the hat show forever. In fact, before we even started this almost seven years ago, we thought we'd wear hats on the reg. Here we are finally with the hat show. Yeah, it's great. Cinco de Mayo doesn't really count as a hat show, right? Right, right. The sombreros are certainly different. Um, So, yeah, I don't count that one. (laughs) <laughs> hey it's uh never too early for hat maybe we should make this a regular thing i don't know i think we can get away with it we'll see we'll see here's today's show lineup espn play-by-play specialist adam amin a byusn favorite will join us once again to discuss what he thinks is going to happen with the future of sports in general and he's a chicago guy so he's got some opinions on the last dance documentary plus the best to wear the lucky number 13 at byu and would you rather play basketball with a broken wrist or run the Y, as in Y Mountain, for two weeks straight? While you think about that, here are your Tuesday BYU Sports Nation headlines. Dana O'Neill of The Athletic says grad transfer Matt Harms will, quote, start and get big minutes for BYU, end quote. O'Neill has also added that uh, getting Harms from the likes of Kentucky and Texas Tech was a, quote, huge shot across the bow from Pope. We talked about how meaningful that was. I think even more meaningful than Matt Harms himself was what that move meant, which was, wow, BYU can beat out some of those teams. Don't forget, Texas Tech was a national runner-up recently, and of course, Kentucky's Kentucky. The Pac-12 has discussed playing an 11-game college football season against strictly conference opponents. Now, new news, but the 11 games is kind of new because we wondered how many would they play if it were conference only. A proposed conference-only schedule would, quote, eliminate high-profile non-conference games but would reduce travel, end quote. Maybe you've heard, Jaron, BYU slated to face Utah on September 3rd to open the season. Uh, this proposal, obviously, Stanford, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, this, is, this would be a huge blow to BYU's schedule. Now, the proposal obviously puts the Knicks on any chance of a rivalry game between the Cougars and Utes in 2020. So, yeah. fingers crossed that does not happen. Arizona State as well. Um, yeah. Listen, I get it if that's what we need to do. And as a college football fan, I'm like, whatever we need to do, let's do it. If BYU has to play only independence, we've talked about, okay, if that's the best thing you can do, then you do it. But as a college football fan, it'd be a bummer because Pac-12 has some amazing early non-conference games, by the way. They have some really, really good ones. Like Ohio State, Oregon is one I want to watch. Oh, yeah, no question. And the conference – is going to want to try and do whatever they can to play those games. It's just uh, we're in the world of contingencies. We're in the right. contingency kingdom right now. Hey, and it isn't just a double uh, uh, hat day. It's quadruple local day, logo day for you. Wow. That like, it is. That it is. Double sailor. You're going heavy on the Navy, a uh, little royal in the back. So, okay, I like it. I like it. <laughs> do you think I like BYU? <laughs> I'm, I'm never sure if you're a, 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 you know, a participant of the Cougars. Hey, you know, I got to make it clear, right? You're the, you're the Disneyland BYU guy for sure. <laughs> I may or may not uh, rep the white that's, Disneyland, that's, that's for sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. All right, let's move on. It's time to rise and shout because we're going to go to what's trending. Jeremy, in a recent 
Sports Illustrated article entitled, Name, Image, and Likeness, Compensation Could Level the Playing Field for BYU Football. Uh, let's get you caught up on what that means. The NIL business means universities will be permitted to promote monetary benefits of their fan base and local economy as a recruiting tool. Now, the NCAA made their support for this official not too long ago, but Jason Ayu in an article from that Sports Illustrated document said, it's just one more thing that we have to compete against, especially Power 5 schools. However, AU believes BYU's passionate fan base and thriving local economy, Silicon Slopes, could make NIL compensation an advantage for BYU. You buying it? Can a loyal BYU fan base level the NIL playing field for BYU against Power 5 schools? Well, maybe some of the lower-end Power Fives. I don't think BYU can compete with the upper echelon Power Fives in this. But here's the thing. How many athletes are actually going to benefit from this? I don't think it's going to be a ton. I think it's going to be just the superstars, right? And, and here's another thought. So you're Qualtrics, right? You're Ryan Smith. You love BYU. He pours a ton of money into BYU. How much more money does he have to spend on BYU? Isn't he spending what he wants to spend on BYU already? Like, where's that going to come from all of a sudden? Oh, the billions of dollars that Qualtrics has. But I mean, for other uh, companies, I don't think it's that easy to say, we spend this much, now we're suddenly going to spend a bunch more, and we're going to promote individuals. I, I think it will certainly help, but I don't know that it, like, closes the gap. But it is another thing in the list of things, if I'm 17 or 18, and I'm looking at BYU, perhaps that's an option is, oh, can I make money? Like Shaylee Gonzalez is going to make money off this, but she's the superstar of the women's basketball team, like Paisley Johnson perhaps as well. But there's only a handful um, um, of these athletes that will partake, but I think the, that Silicon Slope certainly helps. This is an amazing spot for some tech companies that have a lot of money. If I'm an 18-year-old kid and a four- or five-star recruit and I have Qualtrics or one of any handful of billion-dollar businesses in the Utah market saying, hey, we want to make you one of our poster children and we want to put you on billboards and we're going to pay you to do this, but we support BYU, would that not sway an 18-years young player maybe to come to Utah and try and become the next great athlete at BYU. I, the amount of money, I don't know. That's the thing. How much money is it and can it compete with Power 5 programs? But I, I like that BYU is in a good geographical location and has a worldwide alumni fan base that does have money to potentially help with that. So uh, I don't know how much it's going to level the playing field, but it certainly is a boon for BYU in their recruiting. I know that. Yeah, like it'll help beat out St. Mary's, like if they go, but they're not going head to head for the same kid. You know what I mean? It's more like when it's uh, BYU versus Utah, or when it's uh, you know, if like if it's USC or Stanford or whatever against BYU. Sometimes BYU wins those matchups. It's when it's BYU versus maybe somebody else, and that brings us to our stat of the day. There are five private Utah companies founded or led by BYU alumni CEOs that are valued at a billion plus, at a billion plus. Um, and we're hoping that they continue to pay BYU, and then we'll mention their names, which I did earlier, one of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan front row, he's doing, a, he's doing a great job, right, with BYU. So, yeah, I, I'm interested to see how this, how this helps. It totally helps. It's just, will it level the playing field? I don't think it's that extreme. 
Yeah, it's definitely, uh, again, an advantage for BYU to be where they are and to have the type of alumni fan base that they do. But when it's come to competing against Duke in the recent past, it hasn't exactly worked out for BYU. BYU should always lose that matchup. And that's fine. It's not, the, it's not that player that's going to lift BYU over the edge because they're not going to get him. It's, it's the Yoli Childs that are a local guy that will develop, right, in an amazing way. Or uh, the Alex Barcelo, who is not LDS but comes in and does a great job as well. And we don't know all the rules about this, by the way. We don't know how – and, like, guess what? There's going to be a ton of schools that cheat, and BYU is going to choose not to cheat. <laughs> is, is there a cap? Yeah, is there a cap on the financial compensation for said athlete? But it, this is the wild, wild west, man. Yeah. Okay, topic two. Purdue men's basketball coach Matt Painter was asked about a few of his players who transferred recently – and left saying they weren't boardly makers if you walk out the door in the end and saying don't run from adversity. So, Spencer, should transfers be praised or vilified? When it comes to a head basketball coach at a prestigious Division I university, I just am not okay with a guy like Matt Painter going on record and essentially throwing Matt Harms and other guys – under the verbal bus. Like, that that doesn't seem mature to me. If it's fans and people that invest money into the program and want to get on social media and rant and spat about it, fine. I totally get that. There will always be negative feelings. And if I'm being completely open, I've been in scenarios where guys have transferred away from BYU, and I've had to take a step back and think, okay, separate the emotions from this decision try and understand why they're doing this and and that helps but there is a natural feeling of why would you leave BYU why would you do that why would you defect to somewhere else so there is a negative emotion naturally tied to that but when you're in a position as a head coach like Matt Painter it just seems childish and immature like what what are you doing? What are you gaining out of this? You just seem like a crazy ex-girlfriend, if anything. Like, oh, fine. Yeah, you go. We're going we're gonna to win the national championship. Have fun at BYU not being noticed. And good luck getting to the NBA. Like, you seem like the crazy ex in that situation. And so I don't think it's a good look for Matt Painter to do that. Uh, rather than – and I look at Mark Pope or even Kalani Satake. Like, while it might be hard, they're like, hey, we want the kids to be happy. We want the guys to be happy. We wish them the best of luck. We know that there's upset, but, like, don't go on record and say that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it all depends how good the player is. If the player's no good, we don't care. Like, like uh, or if they haven't kind of contributed quite yet, right? When Frank Bartley the fourth left BYU, we weren't up in arms, right? He goes on to be this really good player in the Sun Belt at Louisiana, and we go, good for you. That, that's not a threat, right? When Jordan Chapman goes to Boston College, and that one's complicated, we go, oh, man. When Jake Toulson goes to Utah Valley, luckily he came back, we go, what? When Mark, Matt Carlino leaves, we go, what's going on? Right? It's natural to feel frustrated. I would even argue to some point, like, when Eric Mika left early to go to the NBA and then didn't get drafted uh, and went internationally, we were like, why would you leave if you weren't picked? Just any leaving BYU and going somewhere else, we get frustrated. Now, it takes another level if you go to a rival. And, like, Francis Bernard obviously had Yikes. some issues off the field. Goes to Utah, and it's like, wait, what are you doing? You were just a really good player for us, and now you're with them? Uh, Devin Kafusi, to some degree, has been vilified. Uh, although we love the Kafusi, so there's more of a connection there. 
Um, I think emotionally with the legacy angle that we addressed on yesterday's show, I think it depends. Sometimes a guy leaving is really good. Let's be honest. We love Nick Emery as a person. He dogged on the coaching staff and then he left that team and the team did really well. Like did that team need Nick Emery off of it? It kind of seems like that was the case. I love Nick as a person, but for some reason that wasn't a good fit. And that ended up being something that worked out for BYU. And look at the BYU men's basketball coaching staff. They know that transfers work. Pope went from Washington to Kentucky and Burgess went from Duke to Utah. It worked for them. And sometimes it's uncomfortable and we're trying to, we, we love these players as what, how they help BYU. And if you don't, sometimes they can be vilified. And I think that's somewhat understandable. Yeah. And even this past season, you watch a guy like Blaze Neald, who was not seeing a ton of court time and coach Pope and coach Burgess and Fieger and Robinson, they understand what it's like. And so Blaze Neald's now on his way to Utah Valley university. And, like, and we go good. Like, hopefully you're awesome. You know, go get it done, man. Go get but it like done. If but Connor Harding left, we'd be ticked. You know what I mean? Yes. We're Gavin no question. Back. Yeah. No question. Every situation is different, and it all depends on how much you contributed while you were at BYU. So in the case of Frank Bartley and Jordan Chapman, yeah, it's like, oh, man, what could have been? What could have been with Chapman, who went to Boston College and made a bunch of threes? But I'm my the villainy isn't really on Jordan Chapman. It's more of the situation that he was in and – how come BYU couldn't be more conducive to letting him stay? It's complicated, right? But if you're a star, like the Carlino thing was hard because you wonder, like, what if? What if he had stayed? What would BYU have been able to do? But Don't even get Steve Pierce going on that one. Come on. I know. I know (laughs) it. Interesting conversation for sure. Okay, coming up, the best to wear it. Number 13, a prime number. It involves one of the most iconic plays in BYU history. And a man straight out of Chicago, ESPN play-by-play specialist Adam Amin rejoins the show. He's going to tell us what he thought of The Last Dance. Did Jordan push off? Oh, come on. Come on. Poisoned by a pizza place? This BYU Sports Nation. Give me some of that deep dish pizza. Let's go. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. On the latest voiceover with Greg and Shep, the guys talk with head coach Kalani Sataki about shutting down spring practice, how likely a college football season is, and new staff assignments. Check it out on the BYU TV Sports YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and IG accounts. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Well, kind of, right? Not, not usually in Studio B, but we're, we're still side-by-side side to a degree in the comforts of our home. I, I changed shirts for our next guest, by the way. Yes, you did. And that is well played because joining us now is ESPN play-by-play specialist, a Valparaiso grad and the pride of Addison Trail High School. Go Blazers! Chicago native Adam Amin is back on BYU Sports Nation. Adam, welcome back to the What's show. What's up, Adam? Oh, this is, this is too kind of a welcome. Look at, and and I, I, I see a little bit. There it is. That's what I wanted to see. <laughs> Great to see and hear both of you guys, man. That's, uh, I miss you guys. Good to see you here. Oh, it's great to have you with us. I have to admit, I'm a little bit surprised you're not wearing a Michael Jordan jersey right now based on what happened with the last dance last night. Though the Nike Tech fleece is nice, but, man, right. you, had to lo- you had to love watching MJ do his thing again in the last dance. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's weird to almost uh, relitigate some of this stuff in the era of social media so we have such different contexts. Uh, whether it's the globe itself, like what, like what's available to us, the marketability stuff, social media, all that, 
And then, you know, for a lot of us, we were kids, you know, we were, you know, when, when the Bulls won their first title, I was like five and I was 11 when they won their last championship. And to kind of relitigate a lot of these old arguments, but have the documentation in front of us to, to really be able to contextualize it. It's, it's been awesome. And then, you know, the emotional personal side of it, these are all stories that a, a lot of us who grew up on the Bulls, who grew up in Chicago, we knew most of these stories, but we only knew the headlines. We only knew the treetops about a lot of these stories. And to see it play out in such detail and nuance, Jason Ayer did a, a, uh, an excellent job, he and his team, putting this all together. And to kind of see it all in one spot over a course of this five-week period and, and have all these memories flooding back into various times, uh, you know, of your childhood. It's, it's been, it was, I mean, it was an emotional five weeks every time, uh, you know, during these two hour stretches, there would be something that affected me emotionally, whether it was great memory or something that hurt me as a kid, like watching him lose or, uh, you know, the Steve Kerr stuff last night was obviously very personal to me and, and obviously having a, a professional relationship with Steve now. Uh, seeing the old Delta Center and knowing what Vivint Smart Home is like now and almost kind of flashing back to when I got to call a playoff game there. Like, it, it's it's intense. Like, that that was a visceral experience for a lot of us who grew up on the Bulls or were Bulls fans or, or Chicago natives. It's really emphasized the Jordan is goat thing. And and whether you want to – and I, I feel that way. I know Spencer does. Like, of course, you're going to say that. Like – when this was sanctioned was when LeBron, right, won one, and the conversation is had. So that's been really fun to kind of see. You know what he really was, and he made it so XYZ, ABC, Hall of Famers didn't get a title. It's just, it's just been unbelievable. And the fact that it's during this pandemic makes it even better because it's like the only thing I've been looking forward to every week, let's be honest. Yeah, I, I would be fascinated to know how we would be perceiving this if, let's say, this had gone on on, on the normal time frame and we didn't have this pandemic that we were dealing with, like, I think the original plan was game one of the finals, I think on a Thursday, it's typically played. And then it was going to be that weekend, the first two episodes of the last dance. And then, you know, game two, and then the next two episodes. And imagine if LeBron were playing in the NBA finals again, like if you, if the Lakers are playing the Bucks, like how are, how are we going to litigate this now? And, and to have that backdrop as part of what's currently happening and to really be able to compare and contrast uh, in real time, almost the the two different eras, the two different personas, uh, the level of uh, I think attention that was paid to Michael Jordan without the advent of social media and, and, the, and the global experience that we currently have, uh, I would be fascinated to know how people would be perceiving it and would it be perceived any differently? It's almost like LeBron doesn't really have the stage to defend himself, and so it's not that I think he needs to defend himself, nor am I the one who's having the debate. Uh, like you guys said, you kind of have your minds made up. I'm, I'm of course, going to have my mind made up. But I also think I look at it at, at a more nuanced level because as emotionally connected as I am to Jordan, I'm also connected to LeBron. The, the, the first, you know, three years, two years really of calling the NBA playoffs, he was at the center of the biggest moments that I, at that point I had called in my career. So I saw it firsthand, the, the, his game set, six and game seven performance in the 18 conference finals. I was there for that when Kevin Love gets hurt in game six and he has to carry them uh, to get back to Boston for game seven and then performs the way he did in game seven. Uh, you know, I watched him become the, I called the game where he became, he passed, you know, Jordan for the all time uh, playoff scoring mark. And, and I remember the three pointer, a twisting three that he made from the left wing. I still remember these moments. So my connectivity to both of these 
really entities in the NBA uh, are they're drastically different, but they have a very similar intensity. But uh, like, like you guys said, I, I know where my heart lies, uh, and I think I know where my brain lies too. I think I have a, a sense for where I, I perceive both of these gentlemen in, in the annals of history when it comes to the NBA. Adam Amin with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now, based on that unique backdrop that you are working in, Adam, you certainly can appreciate the gifts and memes that are coming out in relation to Jordan fans attacking <laughs> LeBron fans. I saw one this morning from I Am Legend that had the zombies as uh, Michael Jordan fans. They just wouldn't stop going through the glass at Will Smith and LeBron. This is It's unbelievable. I feel like uh, – I can't remember if it was Josiah Johnson. It was, it was a fun follow on Twitter. He uh, you know, was the creator of that great Comedy Central show, uh, Legends of Chamberlain Heights, and uh, he's hilarious to follow on Twitter. And he, he referred to all the MJ stands as Mike Walkers, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> 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 it's the photo from Game of Thrones. By the way, I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. I knew what that was in reference to, and I lost. <laughs> Super into GOT is, is looking at that going, yeah, that seems about right. So, like I said, I'd be fascinated to know what the litigation would be in, in the court of public opinion if LeBron were playing. And, and let's say he has a great, you know, Western Conference playoffs and is getting ready for the NBA Finals or something like that. I, I would be absolutely fascinated to know. I'm Part of me, though, and I think you said it, Jerem, like part of me is happy that that's not the case. And obviously, if you gave me the choice, I would take the playoffs. I would take everything possible, obviously. Uh, I, you know, I'd trade these circumstances away for, for just about anything. But I, I'm in the micro sense, I'm kind of happy that we're, we're just getting the chance or we had the opportunity to just appreciate that time, that player, that dynasty in, in a vacuum. You know, I'm kind of happy about that. We don't need to have, you know, I... I, I roll my eyes even at, at my colleague Scott Van Pelt doing the doing the LeBron Jordan debate, uh, you know, the poll that they had last night that he did on SVP. And by the way, you could tell even Scott was a little hesitant. He's like, "Yeah, this should go okay. I'm sure this is going to go really." <laughs> I'm I'm glad that we kind of just get to appreciate this in a vacuum, and we just get to appreciate him for him, Jordan for Jordan, that team for and that franchise for that franchise, and. And obviously I'm biased being a fan and, and working for the Bulls now and, and doing, you know, uh, part-time fill-in duty for them and having more of an emotional connection. Naturally, I'm going to feel that way. But I'm glad that we get to just appreciate this in this vacuum. And, and maybe it settles debates. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just fans the flames. But I'm glad we can just sit here and process it and take it in in, in this five-week stretch. A lot of the conversation moving forward now has been around kind of the NBA and Major League Baseball, right? I'm almost past that emotionally where I'm going, whoa, 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 it's May 18th. Like, we should be mainly talking about football at this point, right? But I know everyone wants to play their thing and kind of finish. Where do you stand on this kind of emotionally of, like, what's realistic against what's uh, not realistic and obviously health's at the forefront, but we want our sports? Yeah. It's, listen, it's not, it's not an easy situation for anybody involved. Like, it's not, you know, we can, we can make a very – I've heard plenty of strong, passionate cases for, you know, reopening everything up. And, and pe all, all, all intent for all these people is, is good at heart. You know, like, they want jobs to be back, and they want sports to come back, and they want people to have some semblance of normalcy. The intent of all that is good. Unfortunately, we're kind of at the, at, at the whim of something that – you know, we can't see. And then most of us, if not, all, you know, the highest possible percentage of us 
are incapable of comprehending. Like, you know, we can do all the Google research we want to. We, we didn't study this. This ain't, our, this ain't our lane. And for me to kind of feel like I want to have sports back, I feel like is a very natural reaction. It's a very natural desire. I know I'm not the only one. And I would say, feel like an overwhelming majority want sports back. They want it in, in, for, in some form or fashion and obviously as close to normal as humanly possible. But until we have some level of breakthrough, uh, and, and I'm, I'm leaning more medically, obviously, here, uh, when, unless we have something significant, I don't think there's going to be 100% consensus across the board of comfort. You know, you, you heard Blake Snell talk about that on the Major League Baseball side, whether people agree with the tone that he set it in or the fashion, whatever. His core point, I can understand. I can also understand why somebody who makes, you know, seven fifty an hour and needs to get back to work wants to do that. I, everybody's intent is, is right here. Everybody's intentions is good. It's just hard when you don't have much knowledge and when you don't have the timeline that we all can, can kind of project, that timeline to restart the NBA in July, to restart Major League Baseball on, on the 4th, uh, to finish the NBA playoffs in September, that, those things may not gel with the medical information that's out there. So until we have something significant, by the way, there's a lot of positive news. I, I'm thoroughly impressed by the humanity of, of this planet with how much focus they put just globally on, we're going to get a vaccine. We're going to get this done. And, and it's being done in a fashion and at a, and at a speed that maybe we've never seen in human history until we see that concretely. I don't know if the level of comfort is going to be enough across the board in all these individual sports uh, to feel like, yeah, we're definitely getting back on date X. Adam Amin with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, you obviously are a play-by-play -play specialist, and Jeremy and I dabble in that as well at BYU TV. And, and I miss it so much, in fact, that I was commentating in my head my kids' marble races yesterday. That is not a joke. <laughs> okay, that is not a joke. Uh, what's your day-to-day -day like right now? Uh, based on no live sports where that, I mean, that's what you do. So how are you staying ready? Walk us through your typical day. You know, I, and this is just me personally, this has nothing to do with anybody else. And, and obviously I'm speaking in the most micro sense of my own little bubble possible. Obviously in the macro sense, I'm very fortunate to be able to hold my ground and wait for the all clear uh, whenever that may come. So, you know, I, I certainly take solace and, and I'm grateful for that. But in the micro sense of just kind of sitting around, it's, it's a complete shift. It's a 180 from what I've been used to for the last decade of my life, really probably a little bit longer than that even. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way in whatever uh, business or industry that they're in. They've dedicated so much of their days, their weeks, their months, uh, so much of their lives to whatever pursuit uh, that, they, that, that they chase as a living. And for, for me, like a lot of people, I'm sure it's very odd to suddenly go, you know, when you're going 100 miles an hour, especially this time of year, this is usually one of the busiest times of the year for, for me and a lot of other uh, announcers where we're in the, in the midst of the NBA playoffs. I'm balancing some Major League Baseball. You know, in years past, I've been getting ready for the Women's College World Series. And to suddenly be sitting around for the last eight, nine weeks with nothing uh, close to that, it's very odd. But, uh, again, for me personally, it's been, you know, if I can find silver linings, and I certainly try – to do that as much as possible. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, I'd certainly suggest whatever silver lining you can latch onto uh, that gets you through the day and the week. Uh, you know, I, I certainly appreciate that. My silver lining has been taking a break and to step away and to uh, kind of prioritize what really is important. And 
this job is very important to me, obviously, and it's something I love and I'm exceptionally passionate about, and I take a lot of pride in that. I know you guys feel the same way about what you guys do. Uh, it's been admittedly a little nice to step away and have a respite and just to take a breath and go, all right, what's, what's really important now? And it's, you know, it's family, it's, it's taking care of those close to you. It's, you know, trying to help, help those uh, who maybe are a little less fortunate in whatever fashion you can. And it's been nice to have a little bit of perspective. And I think, you know, for me personally, and I hope, hope for a lot of other people, when we do get back to some semblance of normalcy, which I do have full faith. I just, I have too much faith in humanity and, and too much, too much faith in the good in people and the intelligence of people. I know we're going to get back at some point and maybe even sooner rather than later. I think I'll appreciate it a lot more. And not to say I didn't before. I, I think I was very appreciative of the, of the opportunities and chances that we get. I mean, Jerem Spencer, we, we have idiot lives. Like our lives are dumb. Like they're so, so we're so lucky and we get to do this for a living. And, and this is how, you know, we take care of ourselves and those around us. Uh, I think I'll be that much more appreciative, uh, appreciative of it when, when we do get a chance to be back. And that's well said about this whole time period. That's really well said. I was flashing back earlier this week and I texted you, Adam, this picture of you and I from seven years ago. That was a first interaction. So it's been fun to watch you grow, and now you're, now you're big time, and you're in the news uh, you know, right now, which is fun as well. But uh, in 2013, you're getting ready to call BYU-UC Irvine men's yep. volleyball. On, I think ESPNU, maybe two or something. Yep. And we chatted on the phone for like 30 minutes. You vetted me so well as the men's volleyball guy, and you're calling it with Karch, and we meet, and I'm like, oh, I, I don't know who this guy is at ESPN play yet. Here we are seven years later, and you're, you're big time, man. It's been like a really fun journey to see you continue to grow, and you're, you're going up and up. Uh, I mean, obviously, big time is in the eyes of the beholder, so uh, I certainly appreciate that. I, I certainly wouldn't call myself big time by any means, but it's uh, – uh, that, that photo was, was so awesome to see. It. I was so happy. <laughs> got in our direction. That was so great. Um, our style was different. Bad haircut, bad suit, and all. Yes. Very <laughs> I, I admittedly have gone back, uh, you know, maybe a couple times in the last seven years, and, and that match, that UC Irvine-BYU match is on YouTube, and it's always nice to, you know, once a year, once every couple of years, be reminded of that. And, and sure enough, when I got that that text and, and I saw the tweet, it's like, yeah, I want to – kind of want to check that out how did that how do we sound like what do we look like and i roll my eyes and cringe significantly as i'm sure most of us do uh at, at the look and, and all of it but i just uh it the, to, to take solace and, and it kind of take stock more than anything else in the last gosh seven years now uh it's it's been nuts man and, and i'm uh, like i said everything we talked about earlier about being you know having gratitude and being appreciative of of these uh, peaks and valleys uh, over the course of a longer period of time. That's, that is one of the great things, uh, the, one of the luxuries of age, you know, we, we were, you know, pups in that photo. It felt like, you know, I was 26, I think 25 or 26 in that photo. And, and I, I, I just think about how much of an idiot I was at age 26 and <laughs> continued to be for a significant portion of time. And I'm sure I still am in, in, in the eyes of a lot of people, but uh, it, it's been, it, it's been fun to kind of, again, take stock in what's happened the last seven years and, you know, and, and, and keeping close with you guys and, and still having like the relationship that, yeah, let's get Adam on and then let's, let's catch up and let's have a chat and talking with Ben and, and Dave and you guys and, you know, seeing how your guys' families have grown and, and, you know, how your careers have developed. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that as well. It's, it's one of the luxuries of getting older. And uh, 
I, I, I think we can contextualize and appreciate things a lot differently and, and probably more intensely now. Well, Adam, your haircut looks great right now. Uh, <laughs> and uh, now th there's the backstory there as well. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically uh, in social distancing quarantine. So uh, how are you staying such, such a fresh look? <laughs> I let me let me just say uh, when I when I use the term harrowing experience, obviously it's again in the very micro sense, but a harrowing experience <laughs> trying to give myself a fade last week. I, I think about a month plus, maybe five five six weeks ago, I just said, "All right, the heck with it. We're we're getting rid of it all." I, I had a big puffball in my head, and uh, I hadn't had a haircut in, in, in a month and a half at that point. So I just said, "All right, let's do what uh, I'm sure a lot of other men are doing right now, and just buzz it all off and." get it nice and clean. And that was, uh, that was awesome. And it was great. It was low maintenance. And then, uh, the, as it, as it often does, the fuzz ball, the tennis ball fuzz started to, you know, get created on top of my head. And that is not a good look. And uh, I finally got, I finally got to the point where I thought, all right, I need to do, need to watch some YouTube videos and, uh, and take the plunge. So uh, a lot of good YouTube, YouTube people out there, uh, shout out to all of you for, for advising all of us amateurs. And uh, I thought I gave myself a serviceable fade, uh, not an experience of high stakes poker I want to have anytime soon, but I did send, I did send the shots of it to uh, my barber and she was, uh, I won't say impressed. That would probably be going a little too far, but she was pleasantly surprised at how I didn't manage to screw it up too bad. That's oh, awesome. Great stuff. Adam, it's great to catch up with you. We wish you continued health and uh, success as you push on in your career. And I'd say remember us when you're famous, but you're already famous. So uh, thanks for remembering us. <laughs> I, I don't know about all that, but, but it, truly, man, it's, it's great to see your, see your voices or uh, see your faces, hear your voices, and, uh, and just catch up. This is, uh, this is awesome. I, I know that's another silver lining in all this. It's a good excuse to uh, catch up with those that you haven't had the time for, or maybe to, uh, don't get to see or talk to as often as, uh, as we do. This was a great, uh, great day to, to have this, man. Thanks, guys. You got it, brother. Take care. We'll talk again soon. See you, boys. Adam Amin on the Desert First Credit Union Hotline. Desert First, you know why we show how. He's amazing. He's awesome. We've known him for a long time, and uh, he's, he's been cool, and he continues to grow, and, and he's calling pro really high-level stuff, and it's fun. It's like, hey, there's Adam. There's our guy, right? That's awesome. Okay, coming up, would you rather be the Mormon Bill Walton or the Mormon Dick Vitale? <laughs> and the best to wear it. Lucky number 13. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation rolls on from the comforts of home. You know what? We should win. Dane O'Neill, the Athletics says grad transfer Matt Harms will start and get big minutes for BYU. O'Neill also added that getting Harms from the likes of Kentucky and Texas Tech was a huge shot over the bow from Pope. The Pac-12 has discussed playing an 11-game season against strictly conference opponents. Now, a proposed conference-only schedule would eliminate high-profile non-conference games but would reduce travel. BYU, of course, slated to play Utah on September 3rd of this year. This proposal obviously puts the kibosh on any chance at the rivalry renewing, at least in 2020. Yeah, for sure, thumbs down. Speaking of the rivalry, Jerem, our Best to Wear It segment features a prominent name in that BYU-Utah conversation. 
Each day we're asking who was the best to wear it. We started at zero and are counting up through 99. Today it is lucky number 13. Who we got? I don't know how many Rick's transfers we're going to do, but this guy is one. Johnny Harleen, tight end that played from BYU, for BYU from 04 to 06. 121 catches, almost 1,800 yards, 17 touchdowns in 25 games, 12 of which came his senior year, by the way, which tied for seventh nationally. One of the best tight ends in the country in 05 and 06. Two-time All-Mountain West Conference first team, third-team All-American in 06 from the AP. Had a touchdown catch in nine of the last 10 games in 06. Uh, those 12 touchdowns I mentioned in 06, fifth most in a season in BYU history. He put his name in the conversation for one of the best tight ends ever. I think he's in the top five. I think you can make an argument for top three. I think Gordon Hudson's the best, but Johnny Harleen and Dennis Pitta, and then, you know, it gets pretty interesting with a lot of different good uh, players from there, with Chris Smith and Tulamini, yeah. Chad Lewis, and Johnny's in that group. And obviously, this next play, you and I stood next to each other on the field. If you look on the lower right, you're going to see our heads. Back to Harleen in 06. Up on Harleen, but they have someone behind him. They have to go to the end zone. Final play of the game, barring a penalty, all the time in the world for Beck. Can anybody get open for him? He'll roll right, lets it go, finds his guy, touchdown! Johnny Harleen comes all the way across the field. Beck finds him, and it's a touchdown in BYU. Swarms the field. Oh, what a play. You kept saying to me, I don't believe it. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. I just kept saying with my hands on my head, I, I was surrender Cobra at the time, but in a good way, I guess, right? Like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe that just happened. I kept <laughs> looking for a flag on the field. I'm like, is there a flag on the field anywhere? Uh, no. no, everyone was on the field. Yeah. And, and remember <laughs> the story. So I'm shooting for the news show on campus. It was called the Daily News at the time. And I, so I, my eyes and my viewfinder, I just, I just drop and watch it go. I just can't help myself. I had to get someone else a shot. Shout out to Jordan Feinauer for hooking me up. But, and then we run out onto the field and we're getting shots and it's just pand- pandemonium, man. Listen, it's all good. Just use that stock footage, that stock SD footage from the mountain. It'll look great in that news piece that you're putting together. Well, we just <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, led the, I led the Monday news portion. And we were like, whoa, sports leading off. What a big deal. Yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> It was a big deal. It, uh, as currently constituted, I mean, we haven't voted on it in a few years, but was voted the number one play in BYU football history back in 2015. It's, it's number two. It's number two. The Hail Mary in 80. McMahon to Clay Brown. There's no way that's not number yeah, one. That's, it's such an epic comeback. Like, what really, what tops a 50 yard pass on the last play of the game after being down by yes. 20 with under four minutes to play? And then I think the Nebraska Hail Mary is number three in greatest plays. And then I, and then I, would, I would go four. I would go Kyle Morrell over, over the uh, pile at Hawaii, 84. We need to revise this. We need to revise this. It's you know time, Jared. We don't have time. We're way too busy. <laughs> we have too many things going on. We can't do that. <laughs> yeah, we're putting that on the project list for sure. Oh, uh, shout out to Johnny Harleen. What, what yes. an incredible, what an incredible player. So fun to watch. And it's kind of interesting that yesterday our honorable mention was John Beck, and the next day we're talking about Johnny Harleen. Those guys are linked forever. And when we were at the uh, O or uh, the 2015 Vegas Bowl, BYU Rashida, we had those guys on the set the day of, 
the game and they were talking about it. And that was so cool. Those guys have been super cool. And the coolest thing about Johnny Harleen, as we wrap up this portion, is that he shreds on the guitar. Like, yeah, he's in a band. Shreds so hard. <laughs> I love that part. I love Johnny Harleen. That is yeah. the best to wear at number 13. Coming up, the newest BYU Hoops power couple. And would you rather run the Y, as in Y Mountain, every no. day for two weeks or play basketball with a broken wrist? Neither sounds great. We'll play Would You Rather next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. BYU TV app is the place to watch recent and classic BYU sports games. Get your BYU fix on the BYU TV app today. I can't wait until we add another game, women's soccer, women's volleyball, football, hopefully sooner than later. Just give me something. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Great to have you with us on BYU Sports Nation. It is time to play Would You Rather, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. All right, Jeremy, a brain buster for you at number one, and this is based off a couple of BYU basketball players and their recent trends. Would you rather play a game with a broken wrist, a la Alex Barcelo against St. Mary's, or run the Y, as in up Y Mountain every day like Jesse Wade? Play with a broken wrist, because running the Y every day for even one day would be crazy. Playing with a broken wrist is crazy, too, though. I mean, that is, that is some real toughness. Hopefully Jesse Wade can strengthen that knee and be back for BYU. He's had some issues. But Alex Barcelo, what a heroic act. He made a three, by the way, with that broken wrist. I can't believe I'm going to say this because I want no part of a broken bone and a broken wrist and the pain involved, but it's temporary. If I had to run the Y every day and there was no end in sight, good grief. No, thank you. I will take the broken wrist. One time we shot a commercial up at the Y and I got a four-wheeler ride all the way up. Sounds awesome, right? It was terrible. It was so bumpy and rocks, and it was awful. And number two, would you rather be referenced as the Mormon Bill Walton, as Mark Pope was in Sports Illustrated by Pat Forty, or be known as the Mormon Dickie V? Uh, Jeremy, I believe we should be calling it the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint Dick Vital, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'd rather go. I'd rather go with Dickie V. As much as I love Walton, and you know I love me some Walton, uh, Dick Vitale and his high energy. And you know what? This is in reference to Mark Pope. He he seems like more of a Dickie V personality. He loves college basketball. He's all about it. He talks really high when he gets really excited, like Dickie V. Uh, for me, it's Dick Vitale. Yeah, I'm going with Bill Walton. I just think Bill's special. And uh, go where you want with special. We saw a lot of Bill Walton in the last dance, by the way, as the uh, NBC analyst. Uh, so Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Well, Carl Malone, show up already. <laughs> Please, Greg Ostertag, get a rebound. All right, on to number three. Would you rather be featured in a Wall Street Journal article because you hit a hole-in-one on a golf course or be a celebrity barbecue chef making ribs on an instructional cooking video. Here's looking at you, Fessy Satake. That happened to him for, for both of those things. Um, Hole-in-one is pretty awesome, so I'm going to take that one. Although, hanging out with Cam at Bam Bam's would be good, too, because I assume they ate that food. 
as much as I love barbecue ribs and as much as I love barbecue in general, I haven't scored a hole in one on the golf course. I've come really close within a few inches a couple of times, but I've never hit a hole in one. So 100% I'm going with the hole in one, but does it count in the quarantine, Jerem? Yeah, absolutely. Even with the little foam in there. Come on. Of course. Okay. Would you rather make the jump from basketball to football like Dalton Nixon's trying to do as a tight end little video came out recently or as a talent scout? He's uh, was kind of promoting his quarterback, assessing his talent. Oh, I'm all about the Uncle Rico status, man. You let me play college sports as long as possible, high school sports, yeah, with my defunct throwing motion. If I have an opportunity to extend my playing days, then I will always go that direction. And kind of fun to see Dalton Nixon running some routes. He's got, he's got some work to do with his footwork and whatnot, but it's, it, who knows? It's an intriguing conversation thinking about him in the red zone with his athletic ability to go up and get a ball. Yeah, that's an interesting story. Him just making the team would be enough. Like, him playing is an offense to the other tight ends that have been playing football for so long. And BYU's loaded at that point. Right, they have some good young talent. So, even if Dalton just makes the team, that'd be cool. Um, no, no, no. I would rather make the jump from basketball to football. We, we've, we've seen the reverse, football to basketball recently, but we've not seen basketball to football. That'd be different. All right, Jerem, this isn't a would you rather so much, but still a question that needs to be asked. Who has more swag, Jim McMahon lighting the Y with a snap of his fingers or Robert and I, Dr. Bob, singing a rhinestone cowboy and playing the guitar while wearing a hat with his name on it, a third-person reference on his hat? Uh, I'm going to go with Jim McMahon snapping his fingers. Obviously a little magic uh, associated with that one, but it's just Jimmy Mack and he's the best. Robert and I was really good at the guitar and singing and, uh, you know, him wearing a hat like that. He's, he's Robert and I, he doesn't care what we think. We're thing one and thing two. He told us that once. We have it on record. In fact, we need to have that as an immediate drop. Oh my goodness, that's a complete miscalculation. Uh, I'm going with Jimmy Mack. And this, this set up uh, a cool weekend for BYU Athletics, kind of reliving all of these great games on their Facebook pages. I thought BYU Athletics as a whole did an outstanding job oh, last man. week of engaging the fan base. And they got Jimmy Mack to lead it off as he introed his 1980 Miracle Bowl. I thought that was really cool. I kind of forget that I was the sideline reporter until this week. I was like, oh yeah, I was on those games and like, 2010 so it's been a it's been a fun decade people are like jeremy you look really young it's like yes i was 10 years younger exactly. <laughs> okay coming up the quarantine wedding from BYU hoops and i've got some burnt orange in my rising shout out jerem this is BYU sports nation all right all right all right Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, the show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. You can download the podcast as well. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast and bang, you've got it. Jeremy, it's time now for our elite voices of the day or voice of the day, I should say, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. And it comes from DiGiorno Pizza who after the last dance story came out last night about Michael Jordan being potentially poisoned by pizza in Park City, Utah, said, hey, delivery pizza, go figure. <laughs> DiGiorno would say that. Uh, it's been funny to see the Barstool pizza reviews of frozen pizzas. That's been really funny. Uh, what's your favorite kind of pizza, <laughs> by the way? Flavor. Uh, 
flavor oh yeah. classic pepperoni green pepper i'm i'm good to go extra cheese yeah throw a little sausage on there with the pepperoni and i'm good okay all right okay yeah, absolutely now no. now for today's rise and shout outs you lead us off Okay, just a couple days ago, Connor Harding, Paisley Johnson uh, got married. Congratulations to them. Uh, that's pretty cool. Two ballers on both sides of the basketball program. So congratulations to the Hardings. Yeah, took some uh, really fun pictures. Uh, it's not easy to get married in the quarantine when they figured it out. Oh, my gosh, yeah. My rise and shout out goes to our friend at art director BYU, Greg Welch, who responded to a tweet from the Longhorn Network when they sent out the Texas logo, Burn Orange, Longhorns, asking, first player you think of when you see this logo? And Greg said, Taysom Hill. <laughs> Which Texas player do you think of? Uh, probably Ricky Williams. Ooh, Vince Young for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah I Young. think of probably Ricky Williams. Let's get Texas back was- on the schedule. Yes, please. Do you think they would ever actually agree to that in football again? Not right now. Too fresh. And, and uh, by the way, BYU, pretty good record against Oklahoma as well. So I think BYU is like, what, 5-1 and one against those two combined? Those two combined, 5-1. and one. Listen, Big 12, we fit in there. You want us. Let's go. <laughs> Our thanks to today's guest, and he was a great one, Adam Amin. Always nice to catch up with him. Oh, he's the best. Love it. Sorry to Dennis Pitt. We ran out of time. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSF. For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. The hat show has officially come to an end, but I think maybe we should wear hats again tomorrow. A shout-out to Danny Bauer, and, uh, of course, as always, we will see you on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs. Are you a backwards hat guy, Jerem? I guess so, Colin.